Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. So this weekend I went to the movies, the cinema, if you will, um, which like, first of all, who even goes to the movies anymore? I mean, we literally walked into our theater and we had assigned seats, but we were like, oh, I guess we can sit anywhere because it was completely empty. Um, you know, with streaming now, like no one actually goes to the movies, which is sad. Um, you know, the movies used to be magical. And if you ask Nicole Kidman, they still are. But uh, so <laughs> my friends and I, we went and saw... Um, a Knock at the Cabin, which is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, you may know M. Night Shyamalan. That's so fun to say. Shyamalan. Uh, Shyamalan. So M. Night Shyamalan is the guy who brought you The Sixth Sense and Signs. And, um, you know, those were like the good ones. And there were some not so good ones. There was like The Happening where the trees are mad at everyone. Um, there's one that he did called The Village, which is... Very um, polarizing. Actually, it's not. It's not. It's polarizing for me in terms that like I'm the only one that liked it, and so everyone judges me. Um, but yeah, everyone else seemed to hate it. But I actually thought the village was pretty good. I liked the twist in that one. Um, but so, anyways, M Night Shyamalan. He's like known for his twists. He is the twist guy. That's his whole thing. And so. Um, if you plan on seeing this movie and you don't want any spoilers, start skipping ahead. Uh, this won't be too long, maybe like a, a couple minutes. But um, I'm I'm not going to like, I, I don't think I'm going to like really spoil it, spoil it. But what I'm going to tell you is that there's no twist. Um, and the whole time I was waiting for the twist. And they like set some things up in the movie. Like there are a few like moments or characters or circumstances that are, are like meant to to trick you into thinking that there's a twist coming but like the I guess the twist is is that there is no twist like the the movie is just very forthright and everything that's happening is really happening and and that's not what you've come to expect from an M. Night Shyamalan film so when you see that you get confused <laughs> like I, I honestly feel like M. Night Shyamalan has set himself up for not for failure but like he's he's screwed himself a little bit like he shot himself in the foot by making himself like the twist master and then like now he has to deliver an incredible insane never saw it coming twist at the end of every movie he makes and like if this wasn't an M. Night Shyamalan movie, if this was like a regular, just any old movie, and I didn't go into it expecting there to be some twist at the end that I, you know, had, hadn't seen coming or that I, you know, I, if I wasn't going into it, like looking for those clues and red herrings of like what the twist surprise ending was going to be, it would have been a great movie. Like I, I really enjoyed it and the acting was really well done and the story was really good and it was filmed really well. And like all in all, it was a great film. I was just let down by the end because it just, it was, you know? And like that shouldn't be, you know, a movie, a movie should be allowed to be exactly what it is. And like, it should be allowed to tell you exactly what it is. Like we don't need every film to have some like crazy surprise that has us you know, reeling as we're exiting the theater. Like, uh, good films oftentimes are just, like, strongly acted, well-written stories. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm going to give it, like, a 7 out of 10 for those reasons because, like, I can't give it any higher because, like, you know, I was let down because there was no crazy twist. But I also don't want to give it any lower because, like, it was a really good movie and I do think that had it been 
like presented as not an M. Night Shyamalan movie or like has it had it been presented as just kind of like a straightforward film about the end of the world. Um, so I like I, I, I think I, I really think I would have loved it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> also, also, can't the gays catch a damn break? Like, so obviously, if you don't even know anything about this movie, you're you're probably sitting here being like, what the fuck is he talking about? Um, it's a story about a gay couple and their young adopted daughter, and they're on vacation at a cabin in the middle of the woods, and they get a knock at the door, a knock at the cabin. That's where the title comes from. Um, and it's four people who are basically telling them that the world is ending, and they have to choose one member of their family to sacrifice to save the world. So, you know, to my points before, the the twist is that, like, it it was all real and the world really was ending and they really did have to pick. Like, I think we were all waiting for some twist or surprise or, or something. Um, and, and like I said, there were moments where they, like, introduced characters and scenarios and you were supposed to think, like, okay, this isn't real. This isn't really happening. There's, like, more going on. But there wasn't any more going on. Anyways, why can't these this beautiful, lovely gay couple and their daughter, why can't they vacation in peace? Like, why can't the gays catch a damn break? You know, we send the gays to a cabin in the woods and and they have to sacrifice one of their own. Meanwhile, we, you know, we want a, a movie about people, about straight people going to a cabin and they give us grown-ups with Adam Sandler and David Spade. Like, ugh, the poor gays. I just, ugh, I, I, it made me sad um, but, you know, leave it to the gays to save the fucking world. So there's that. All right. If you uh, were skipping ahead due to spoilers, you've made it. Yay. And if you uh, have followed along thus far, um, let me know if you decide to go see the movie now knowing what you know. And if that changes your interpretation of it or, uh, you know, like, I, yeah, just let me know. It's almost Valentine's Day, which means that we're all a little more likely to be indulging in some chocolatey goodies. But when you really look at what some of our favorite generic candy is made of, you'll want to break up with it immediately. Don't limit yourself to your kids' candy hearts and chocolate kisses. Vosges Haute Chocolate was founded in 1998 when CEO and founder Katrina Markoff pioneered the concept of exotic chocolate by fusing spices, herbs, nuts, and flavors from around the world with premium chocolate. Explore a wide variety of assorted chocolates made with vibrant cacao and superiorly sourced ingredients. Vosges Artisan Chocolate is meant to balance the body, mind, and spirit when eaten mindfully. Indulge in gourmet chocolate with exotic chocolate flavor profiles, such as Dulce de Leche bonbons, Manchego and Cherry Dark Chocolate Bars, and Ginger Turmeric Milk Chocolate. The perfect gift for the chocolate lover in your life or yourself, Vosges Haute Chocolates offers premium chocolate gifts and chocolate gift baskets. You guys, these are not your kids' candy bars. Order your premium chocolates online today and taste the difference. Visit VosgeChocolate.com. That's Vosge spelled V-O-S-G-E-S, chocolate.com, and use code Blake to get 15% off your order. Happy Valentine's Day! Okay, let's talk about R-H-O-M. It's a rainy afternoon in Miami as Alexia and Marisol go to get some fat sucked out of them. But this doctor looks like Louie from New Jersey. Like, his face is very red. And he also gives them a drink out of a red Solo cup. <laughs> so, thus far, this doctor's giving major frat boy vibes. 
Marisol and Alexia discuss Nicole's actions at the lawyer luncheon, and they are disgusted that Nicole threw her Amex at the attorney. Alexia says that's what you do at a strip club, but okay, to be fair, I don't spend much time at strip clubs, but I can't imagine that the patrons are just throwing their black cards onto the stage. Meanwhile, Nicole and Julia are FaceTiming and hoping for a little reprieve in all the drama. A trip to the Bahamas should accomplish that, right? Girls' trips always mean no drama. <laughs> Back at the doctor's office, Marisol is now injecting Alexia's ass with something. Does Marisol need an MD to do this? Like, is it normal for patients to just be giving other patients shots? In their ass? After drinking in the lobby out of red Solo cups? This doctor's office is the fucking Wild West. Julia and Adriana have a conversation about Julia wanting to adopt a baby, and it's really, really nice to see this storyline. Um, obviously, as you guys know, adoption is something that I'm navigating currently, so I definitely sympathize a lot with Julia. And far too often, anytime there's like an LGBTQ storyline on The Housewives, it's so deeply rooted in homophobia or like, you know, pushing someone out of the closet or accusing someone's husband of being secretly gay. Like, it's all really gross, frankly, so this is a nice step in the right direction. Even if nothing happens with Julia and her adoption in the future, which, like, is a possibility, even if this is strictly for a storyline, I appreciate it. Lisa and Larsa get together, and Lisa explains that Lenny is trying to force her and the kids out of the house. He sucks! Sucks, sucks, sucks! Nicole, Alexia, Marisol, and Gertie go out on a quadruple date with their husbands, and it seemed to be going so well. But then, Alexia flips. She brings up the lawyer luncheon and how disrespectful it was for Nicole to ask a question that didn't pertain to family law, this lawyer's particular specialty. But Nicole raises a good point. Doctors like her get asked medical questions that have nothing to do with their specialty all the time. If the lawyer was asked a question that he can't speak on, he can simply just say that. But Alexia is pissed and thinks it was not only disrespectful of Nicole, but also unprofessional. And no matter what Nicole says, Alexia won't let it go. Nicole tries to apologize and then tries to explain her perspective and why she didn't take it the way that Alexia did in the moment. And I personally believe that everyone should always have the opportunity to explain their point of view, even if they're apologizing and taking ownership. Like, that's the only way we learn about each other and, and, and like, grow from these situations. Plus, if Alexia thinks that there was some malintent there, shouldn't Nicole be able to defend herself or at least explain that she had no clue that it would be taken the way that it was? Then, Alexia says it's not really about the question, but about Nicole throwing her credit card in the lawyer's lap. I mean, what did Alexia expect? If she says to Nicole, I'm not paying this guy for you to ask that question, then why is it so ridiculous for Nicole to say, okay, I'll pay for it myself. Charge it, baby. But Alexia says not only is she pissed over this, but so is the attorney, which I find highly unlikely, but okay. So Anthony chimes in and tells Alexia that he will gladly send the lawyer some flowers and chocolates, and now Todd is pissed. Why? Who knows? Alexia and Todd are hotheads, apparently. Todd starts going off on Anthony, insulting his business and calling Anthony condescending while continuing to condescend to him. Like, ugh, self-awareness. <laughs> he says Anthony's not a real lawyer because he only has four employees, which Anthony refutes, but like, either way, what the fuck? But Anthony and Nicole, TBH, take it like champs. They sit there so calmly, and they take it all in, letting the crazies be crazy. They have more patience and strength than I do, that's for sure. Like, for real, Alexia and Todd are two dingbats, and Alexia demanding anyone take ownership or accountability for anything when it's something she refuses to do ever is a joke. 
So while Alexia and Todd are clowning around, Lisa, Larsa, and Kiki are at a strip club in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, it's empty, so there's that. Like, so empty that there are barely even dancers in there. Like, at one point, Kiki gets up and starts working the pole because there's literally no one else dancing. They did get some chicken sliders, though. Guys, I'm always noticing the food that these women are ordering. Um, I'm telling you, the biggest perk of being a housewife, they order whatever the hell they want while filming, and it's all on production's dime. Like, it's a fucking free-for-all. Being a housewife doesn't really seem appealing for any other reason besides all of the free food. Speaking of food, Nicole then goes out to eat with Alexia, and honestly, I'm shocked that Nicole would even humor Alexia with a lunch. Nicole immediately apologizes and says that she feels horrible and says that if she had known Alexia was so mad, she would have talked to her before the gringo dinner. But again, Alexia calls her unprofessional and tells Nicole that she should have said, I didn't see it that way. I'm sorry. Um, isn't that, like, exactly what Nicole did? I mean, she said it in the opposite order, but she still said it. She said, I'm sorry, but I didn't see it that way. Not, I didn't see it that way, but I'm sorry. I mean, it's the same fucking thing. Then Alexia shoots back. Well, why do you think you saw it that way? Is that just a part of who you are? It feels like such a loaded question, like a subtle dig. Like, what kind of person would see it the way you saw it? Alexia is very judgmental, and she sure doesn't apologize for anything, so where does she get off sitting on this high horse? So Nicole is explaining why she was so upset by Larsa's accusations, which is why she was asking the lawyer the questions about defamation, and Alexia cuts her off and says, see, you're still wanting to pretend like you're right. Uh, Alexia, you just asked her why she saw it that way. She's answering the question. Ugh, for fuck's sake. Then she says anyone who puts conditions on their apologies is a narcissist. I mean, I'm no psychologist, but that doesn't seem to track to me. A narcissist just wouldn't ever apologize. Like, Alexia didn't apologize when she was completely wrong about Adriana's date. Just saying. Alright, let's talk about the Real Housewives of Potomac from this Sunday. Ashley and Dean go out on a mommy-son date, and Ashley is excited about her new house that she and Michael are buying together with their LLC. So, like, the fact that Ashley went through with buying this house with Michael is not shocking to me. The fact that her mortgage is $13,000 a month, however, is insane. Like, normally I look at my life and I feel so proud and satisfied with where I'm at, but then I hear shit like this and I feel so fucking poor. Ashley says that she and Michael are in agreement that the property just belongs to Ashley, despite both of them being owners. Hmm, we'll see. Karen FaceTimes with Mia to get the lowdown on Robin's bachelorette. After revealing that she had a bad chicken wing, Mia tells Karen about all of the mud being slung on her name, i.e. the fact that she's the biggest whore in Potomac. Karen asks Mia if she defended her, and Mia admits that she didn't. Oof. Robin sits down with her parents and lets them know that she and Juan are planning to get married in Jamaica at Juan's brother's wedding. Her parents are shocked, and not for the reason you might expect, which is who the hell decides to get married at someone else's wedding. But they're shocked that they weren't invited. Go figure, literally the only two people on the face of the earth that care to see this wedding. But it's all good, Robin says she'll FaceTime them from the event. Mia goes to the doctor, where it's revealed that her cancer is actually... A rash? <laughs> I mean, on one hand, good for her. I'm glad she's healthy. A little itchy, but healthy. On the other hand, what the fuck? A rash? And this lady was legit planning her own funeral? Kim Zolciak 2.0. Giselle and her daughters go out for some ice cream. I feel like the only scenes we've had of Giselle's personal life over the past seven seasons are this exact scene. It's just Giselle and her daughters eating some sort of snack, and they're trying to avoid eye contact with her the whole time. It's so awkward. 
but at least it's something, I guess. She does tell her daughters, however, about her upcoming hysterectomy, and while this was almost a really serious moment, it quickly becomes biology for dummies, like at one point one of the daughters asks if Giselle's ovaries are just sitting in her stomach. What is going on with the Potomac school system, my god. Later on, Candace has her music video release party for Insecure. Giselle says that she wants to talk to Chris and clear the air, but he has no interest in talking to any of the ladies at this point. Understandably. Ashley reveals to Wendy that Mia was telling everyone that Wendy wanted to eat her cookie, and that's where all of the tension between them came from. Wendy immediately calls her out and says, Mia, you told me that you wanted to eat my box. Okay, what's the difference between a cookie and a box? Anyways, of course, Mia can't deny it because she did say it, you know? There really is some sexual tension there, y'all. So Candace premieres her video, and the budget has gone up, y'all. I loved these visuals, and while I haven't listened to the song all the way through yet, I might. It's catchy. If you got a problem, not gonna solve it. Something like that. Of course, all of the ladies are giving her props and hyping her up, and then there's Giselle, saying she can't even remember the song. She's such a hater. Such a hater. Like, you can't get it out of your head. If you got a problem, you got a problem, you know? Giselle and Karen are talking, and Giselle asks Karen if Mia told her that she called her a prostitute. But like, in the flashback, it's clear that Mia's trying to have Sharice and the other ladies clarify what they're saying. Are you calling her a prostitute? Like, I don't love Mia, y'all know that, but she didn't call Karen a prostitute. Giselle just loves to deflect and throw everyone else under the bus when she's the messiest one of them all, truly. Ray scurries away from the mess. He's so cute. I think Ray's response to all of this proves one of two things to me. Either they do have some sort of arrangement and he doesn't care, or it's all bullshit and he doesn't care. Either way, it seems like Ray really doesn't care about these rumors. But you know who does care? Charisse. Charisse runs up and tries to get into the mess, but Karen doesn't have it. She turns her back, you know, she's not letting this friend of get any more screen time. Robin makes some comment about how Karen's running away from the truth, but like, glass houses, Robin. Glass houses. Ashley tells Candace that she wants to talk to Chris and clear things up, and Candace tells her it's not a good idea. But Ashley's never had a bad idea that she didn't follow through on, so she goes full force for Chris. Chris pulls a Karen, though, and gets the hell out of there. Not before he shouts a few expletives, though. I don't think Chris is in the wrong, to be honest. He's being dragged through the mud. Candy told Ashley to leave him alone, and she didn't. Later on, we're invited along to Robin's nuptials. Not in Jamaica, mind you. And her parents are in attendance, too. So I guess they won. Or lost, depending on who you're asking. But the wedding's fine, it's cute, whatever. But knowing what we know now via Robin and Giselle's podcast, this wedding is a circus and all I see are clowns. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? 
What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Okay guys, before I go, I wanted to tell you about something exciting that I've recently started, and that is my Amazon storefront. So a lot of you that follow me on social media see that I post, um, you know, videos and uh, photos from inside my home. Um, I post a lot of content uh, about my home renovations that I've been doing and little projects I do around the house, and I get a lot of questions about the items that I buy. Um, and I think that you guys are convinced that I am just out spending obscene amounts of money on all of this shit uh, because it looks like beautiful and expensive but the truth of the matter is the most of it um, I'm buying on Amazon like truly uh, so I'm going to start linking all of the products that I buy on Amazon to my storefront where you can see everything that I'm purchasing everything that I stand behind and I love and I vouch for and you can buy it yourself and I can get a small commission so make sure that you follow along with me on social media I'll be posting my Amazon storefront link and uh, you guys can go and check it out. If there are ever uh, any questions you have, or like if there's ever a time where you see something in one of my videos or my photos and you're like, oh, hey, that's really cool. Like, for example, I have this light fixture uh, that is hanging over my dining room table. And every time I post a photo that shows it, I get so many comments about this light fixture. And again, I think people think that it's like, you know, this obscenely expensive chandelier, and it's not. It's literally less than $200 on Amazon. So um, if you ever want to know, uh, you know, an item in my house or something that you see, send me a DM, ask me about it, and I will link the product link so you guys can, you know, start living your best uh, Heather Dubrow-influenced lifestyle just like I do, you know? Like, it is possible to live, you know, the Heather Dubrow uh, Vouv lifestyle on a Prosecco budget. So make sure you follow along. We're going to have a lot of fun and um, <laughs> hopefully I make a lot of money off of it. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to an all new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. As always, please go follow me on social media at Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast or give it a heart so you never miss an episode. And go give me a five star rating or review if you're loving what you're listening to. And if you're not loving it, then that sounds like a you issue, not a me issue. All right, until next time. Bye.